Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to come and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you this morning. And uh, if you would, please open up your Bibles to Acts, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and, and we'll uh, start there in just one moment. I want to say, uh, just to reiterate the things that were written in the bulletin, we just are so appreciative of being able to be here. And uh, we thank you for your patience and us getting settled. And we're just so thankful that the congregation here and the elders have been uh, uh, so, uh, so, you know, loving toward us and, and just, just overall patience with us just uh, being able to get here. And we're, we're finally here, and so I'm just, I'm just thankful for that. And we're, we're starting to get settled. Um, you know, we're not there yet. Uh, we probably have a little ways to go on that. Um, if you've moved... Any you know exactly how that is, and uh, but we we hope that uh, we can start inviting people into our home uh, very soon, and uh, be able to have some fellowship with the brethren uh, uh, at our place. And so we're we're thankful uh, we're thankful for everything that this congregation has done for us, and and I'm sure we will continue to be thankful. Uh, look at Acts chapter nine, start in verse one. We're going to talk about Saul and specifically Saul on the road to Damascus this morning. But says, but Saul, yet breathing, threatening, and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and asked of him letters to Damascus unto the synagogues, that if he found any that were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, it came to pass that he drew nigh unto Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light out of heaven. And he fell upon the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and enter into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men that journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but beholding no man. So I want to point out some things really quickly in this passage. Of course, you know, you're looking at this and you're thinking, Well, what's going on? Uh, he, he's going on this road and... He sees, uh, he sees this uh, light out of heaven, and it's shining round about him, and he, and he hears this voice, and the voice says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? And, of course, what does he say? He says, well, you know, who, who art thou, Lord? Who are you? And he says, yeah, I am Jesus. You know, I am Jesus. And you are persecuting me, and you are persecuting the church. And of course, what was he doing? He was going out, and, and he had gotten letters to be able to go and throw people into prison. It didn't matter if they were men or women. It didn't matter at all. Because, see, Paul, you know, he mentions this later. You know, he, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, he, he was a, a, a man that followed the law. Now, he did it according to the way he believed. And as soon as he comes here into contact with Christ, he does things differently. But, you know, I think it's interesting as we're looking at this passage. And, you know, we can talk about salvation in many different ways. Uh, and the religious world has many different ideas about salvation in particular. But I look at this passage and it's interesting to me that Paul, Saul at this point, he was not merely saved by being in the presence of God. He was in the presence of deity. He was in the presence of Jesus Christ. 
And yet he was not saved. He wasn't saved just because he believed. You know, he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God at this point, right? And he says, who, who art thou? You, you've got to understand that this is just a, a, a supernatural event. This isn't something that happened all the time. And so Saul is realizing this. And, of course, at this point he realizes that this is the Son of God. And we know that because he obeys the word right here. He obeys what Jesus says. And he goes on to do what he says. But you know what? That, that brings up another point. Saul was not saved just because he believed. Oh, well, all you have to do is believe. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you shall be saved. Have you heard those words before? I can guarantee you, Saul felt that way. I can guarantee you that he thought that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and yet he knew one thing, that wasn't enough. And Jesus even mentioned here, that's not enough. It's not enough to just believe. We can believe all day long, but it is simply not enough. James 2 and verse 19. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You know, I, I'm a fan of sarcasm. And this is sarcasm of the Bible. You know, right? Oh, you believe in God? Oh, good for you. Even the demons believe. You know what? And furthermore, guess what they do? They tremble. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, I guess we need to ask those people... Those people that say all you have to do is believe, are the demons going to go to heaven? You, let's explain that one away, okay? Are the demons going to go to heaven? I don't know of a single person who would say that. But the demons, they do believe and they tremble. You know what? I also know from this passage that Saul was not saved by just the grace of God. You know, we, we hear that from time to time, Ephesians 2 and verse 8. You know, for you are saved by grace. And we end right there. We hear that stops right there. But what does the rest of that passage say? For you are saved by grace through faith. It's through faith. And that in all yourselves, it is the gift of God. He wasn't saved just by the grace of God. Sure, he was saved by the grace of God just as we are today. But it wasn't that by itself. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, we see a familiar phrase that is mentioned here. It says, what must we do? You know, these people in Acts chapter 2, they, they had just been told, you have crucified the Son of God. Now, if you put yourself in their shoes, you've got you to be thinking this one thing. Is there any way out of this? I have just killed the Son of God. It is because of me. Is there any way out of this? And then what, of course, they, they say, well, what, what must we do? There's got to be something we can do. What must we do to be saved? And, of course, they are told what 
they must do. In Acts chapter 9 here, and look at verse 6. What do we see? It says, But rise and enter into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. It's the same thought process. There is something here that a person has to do. Well, I can't do anything to get to heaven. No, no, no. There's a clarification here, brethren. You cannot do meritorious works to get to heaven. You cannot earn your way to heaven. But you know what you can do? You can follow the Word of God and get there by obedience, by doing what He says. That's the ticket. That's the key. No, we can't earn our way to heaven. But we do have to do something. We can't just stand idly by and wait. So He is going to be told what he must do. And of course, this is speaking of salvation. He was going to be told what he had to do in order to be saved. And brethren, we have been told what we need to do through the Scriptures. Let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verses 8 and 9. It says, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, And he was three days without sight and did neither eat nor drink. We know that as he was going on uh, through this, you know, this is obviously, uh, he's he's fasting here. You know, and what, what accompanies fasting is prayer. So he is praying and fasting surely. And so, so, you know, what, when, whenever, whenever Saul here, is praying, what do you believe he was saying? What, what is it that that you think that he would say? Oh, well, dear Lord, thank you for my food. Thank you for this day. It, what do you think he was doing? You know, he was praying a penitent prayer. I guarantee you that. I'm sure that he was so upset that he could not even eat and drink. That was part of this problem. Now, he was upset. Another thing is, is guess what, brethren? He wasn't saved just by praying. You know, you think about people saying, that, you know, all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer. All you have to do is just say the sinner's prayer. If you say this prayer... You can be saved. Well, uh, first of all, you know, I want, you want to know one of the, the greatest things about a biblical debate would be? You know what, the easiest way to win an argument concerning the Scriptures? Someone says, hey, you need to say the sinner's prayer in order to be saved. All right. Go ahead and show me. Show me where that passage is. You show me where that passage is, I'll do it. I will do it all day long. You know what? It's not there, brethren. But you know what? If there were ever a sinner's prayer, it would have been recorded right here. You think about Saul. And what did he do? He was out persecuting Christians. Do you think the man felt sorry for what he had done once he realized the truth? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever done something or know that you have done something in the past and, and you know, 
you come to knowledge of the truth, then you, man, it's embarrassing, isn't it? And sometimes you can just feel so sick. Oh, I, I bet he felt sick. I almost guarantee that. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said unto him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the street which, uh, uh, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one named Saul, a man of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he hath seen a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him that he might receive his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard uh, from many of this man how much evil, how much evil he did to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know what we can get from this passage, brethren? Salvation is absolutely meant for everyone. It is meant for everyone. You look at this passage, and, and of course, Ananias is a follower of the Lord, and, and the Lord comes and tells him, you know, you need to go and, and you need to talk to... Uh, this man named Saul. Of course, you know, thinking at this point, all right, Saul, there's probably several people named Saul. And then he says, well, it's Saul of Tarsus. Go. So, no, 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 no. Wait a second, Lord. Saul of, Saul of Tarsus. Do you realize? Do you realize who this is? Um, he, he's persecuting us. Anybody who calls upon your name, he is persecuting. Are you sure about this? Whoa. And of course, you know, sometimes, I know we do it today, and, and we're kind of thinking, what was the Lord thinking? I don't understand it. And it's not because we're so much smarter than Him, it's because He is so much wiser than we'll ever be, and He knows all things. And we just don't get it. And so here Ananias just doesn't get it. And he says, you know, I have heard from many of this man about how much evil he has done to all that call upon your name. Brethren, if there was anybody at that point in time in need of salvation, it was Saul. Salvation is absolutely for everyone. Think about John uh, 3 and verse 16 and, and 17, you know, of course we, we, we know John 3.16 3, by heart for some reason. It's one of the most popular verses in the Bible. But verse 17, it says, For God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world. That's not His purpose. His purpose is not to judge. Now, He's going to judge, but that is not what He wants, wants to do. It's not His purpose. God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. So God did not send the Son of Man to come here and to tell us how bad we were. He didn't come to tell us, you know, that, hey, you're going to hell. 
He didn't come for that reason. Why did He come? He came to save us. That was why He came. You know, we've mentioned this before, but He didn't come to say, gotcha. I see you've been sinning. And that's it. You're, you're done for. No, He came to bring people out of sin. That was why He came. You know what, brethren? We do not choose who will and who will not be saved. We do not have that choice. And brethren, we might think, oh, that, that person's a lost cause. That, that person, I don't know if they'll ever obey. So what does that mean? You don't ever try? No, we can't give up. Now, now I understand there is the idea of casting pearls before swine. And yes, there are times when you can just move on. But you have to use good judgment. You have to use some discretion there. And we know that not all people are going to be saved. But we should not be prejudiced against others thinking that they'll never be saved. You know, maybe you've got, you know, this it's this time of year, you know, there's Christmas is coming up, families are about to get together, and you probably got that knothead relative that you just wanna just wanna ring them around the neck a couple of times. Don't look at anybody in this room, please. Don't do that. You know you've got those people. They may not be Christians, but you don't ever say they'll never be saved. Because salvation is for everyone, and we do not choose who will and who will not be saved. Guess what? That's the Lord's job. What we need to do is to teach. We teach. And the Lord will do His part. And the individual will or will not do their part. It is up to them and the Lord. It's not up to us. Another thing that that we see here is, you know, Christianity, let's just put it frankly, it's not easy. It's not. If you think it's easy, we need to sit down and study a little more because there's a lack of understanding somewhere. Christianity is not easy. There, there are certain things that even, you know, even normal people, they, they, don't, they don't have to go through that. Just your every, everyday average Joe, they don't have to go through these things. You know, hey, um, you're going to have a meeting at the bar, you know, at, for work. Most people don't care about that. Christians care about that. Do you think that makes life a little more difficult? It sure does. Having to explain yourself from time to time on these things, people are not going to get it. That's just a little thing. Think about all the other things in life, dealing with sin specifically. You know, there are things that you and I are tempted with, and it's not all the same thing. We all have different struggles. 
And because we have those different struggles, we're, we are going to have a fight throughout our life. Christianity is not easy. It's not easy from the standpoint of just being obedient. It takes effort to obey. But on top of that, guess what? It's just simply not easy with dealing with the world. How do we know this? Well, let's, let's think about this. Look at the verses 15 and 16 here. It says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul was going to suffer. And someone might say, well, you know, this is specifically in the context of Paul. Yes, it is. It is in the context of Paul. You look at his life, his life was not easy. But let's think about 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. Is that what it says? Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, not might, shall suffer persecution. It is inevitable. If you are a Christian, you are going to get persecuted at some point in time. Now, that could come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. You know, all sorts of different ways you could be persecuted. You know, you might be made fun of. You might not be able to get a certain job. You might have those kind of difficulties. You could even physically be beaten. You could go to prison. You could do these things because you are a Christian. These things could happen to you. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, we're, we're in America. And we are in the land of the free. You know what, brother? Maybe it was at one time. But it is slowly but surely not looking like that way anymore. Why would he say that? Because, brethren, because you have people that own businesses that refuse to do certain things in their businesses because of their beliefs. And people in this country will sue you, take away your business. And the courts are siding with them. There is persecution in America. There is. And quite frankly, brethren, it might not get any better anytime soon. It might actually get worse. But you know what? Even though that is a distinct possibility, we are Christians. And it does not matter what Satan throws our way. Because we can overcome it. We all have the ability to overcome it. Now, someone might say, well, you know what? I'm not suffering persecution. Well, unfortunately, you're not living godly then. 
Because if you live godly, you're going to suffer persecution. And so that's something you need to take up with the Lord. Move on to verse 17. And Ananias departed and entered into the house, and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, who appeared unto thee in the way which thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mayest receive thy side and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and straightway there fell from his eyes, as it were, scales, and he received his sight. And he arose and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. And he was certain days with the disciples that were at Damascus, and straightway in the synagogues he proclaimed Jesus that he is the Son of God. And all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that in Jerusalem made havoc of them that called on his name? And he had come hither for this intent, that he might bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews that dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. Now, Turn over to Acts chapter 22 with me. Acts chapter 22. Acts 22 and look at verses 12 through 16. Now this is the recounting of this by Paul. So it says, And one Ananias, verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well reported of by all the Jews that dwelt there, came unto me, and standing by me, said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And in that very hour I looked upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath appointed thee to know his will, and to see the righteous one, and to hear the voice from his mouth. For thou shalt be a witness for him unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on his name. Brethren, I hope you see the same thing that I'm seeing. You know how Paul, Saul at this point, how he was saved? He was saved when he was baptized into Christ. We see this, this here, washing away the sins. How, how, how often have we seen that? Do you want remission of sins? Be baptized. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Also here we're talking about Baptism and it washes away sins. And so, in essence, what Saul was told was this. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Wash away your sins. Have your sins forgiven. Don't wait. And so the message is simple this morning. If there is someone here today who has not yet put Christ on in baptism, don't wait. Do not wait. But put Christ on in baptism today. If there is anybody else who is in need of prayers, repentance of any other thing, we'll be glad for you to do that as well as we stand and as we sing.